The other significant factor, however, is deals, right? A lot of times when we hear when somebody did so well during tough times, it's because they did deals. Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. Today is a solo cast, and I want to talk today about a number of articles and commentators that I've seen that have started to talk about factors that may be showing that we're running into a recession. Now, uh, I don't want to uh, talk about it in a way where I say that there is a recession coming Im- imminently, because I don't think truly anybody could really predict that. Um, and I also don't want to be one of those people who just echo, <laughs> you know, if, if we all say a recession is coming, people are going to start acting accordingly and it's going to come. But the reason I raise it is because it does affect deals uh, in, in, in some ways that I'm going to talk about. So recently, there have been some articles and commentators talking about how the yield curve, uh, you know, between the average monthly spreads on yields between the three-month and the 10-month treasury is, is starting to move in a direction that is more of an indicator of recession. They talk about consumer and business sentiment, um, uh, that, there's a, uh, that there's a gap uh, going there with some recessionary uh, signals. Uh, they're talking about uh, uh, recently at least some drop in, in manufacturing uh, statistics that are significant. Uh, global growth is, uh, you know, is slowing. Uh, I've seen articles on consumer debt going up. So uh, any case, you know, there are a number of factors that are having people uh, and commentators and articles being written saying, hey, we may have a recession coming. Why do I raise this? I, again, I don't raise this because I don't know whether we're going to have a recession in six months, uh, you know, a year and a half, five years from now, or longer. But what I do know is that we run in cycles. And anybody who's been in business for a long time knows that, you know, we'll have a downturn. Well, we will. It's whatever it is, we don't know, but it will come and then it'll come back up. And that's the way the economy rolls. And we have been listening on a 10 year run now of, you know, of positive indicators mostly. Um, so that, uh, you know, it's, and that's a long period of time uh, in terms of history uh, for things to be moving in a positive direction. So uh, why do I raise this? Um, most of us in business have heard that the most money is made during downturns, during recessions, depressions, right? How, how many people, you know, times a year, how much money people made during the depression? Well, let's break down how that money is made in, you know, down economies. There's really fundamentally two things that happen. One is that the weaker players, when things are tough, end up having trouble and potentially going out of, you know, out of business so that the competition gets thinned and that those companies that survive end up coming out stronger because now there's less competition when the economy picks up for the business as it increases, right? So that's one way and that's a significant factor. The other significant factor, however, is deals, right? A lot of times when we hear when somebody did so well during tough times, it's because they did deals, 
So what does that mean? Does that mean that, uh, you know, you should be uh, sitting around and, and, and not doing deals until bad times come? No, not necessarily. There are plenty of good deals to be done in good times, whether they're M&A or licensing deals, strategic alliances or doing deals with business partners. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that it, you know, it's something to think about, right? I know some people now who uh, have decided that they're going to be stocking away a bunch of money to be able to be in a position to do deals during the next downturn. They're young enough where they think they have some runway after that, where they can make the investments at a time when things are lower and that, you know, they can wait for it to come back up. And it's interesting to think about because, you know, who is able, so let's talk about what happens when there are downturns, when there are recessions. Um, what happens is business starts to dry up for companies, right? So uh, there's uh, less uh, profit available. Uh, and for the companies that are in the worst shape, there's no profit available and maybe there are losses. Um, so that companies now, uh, they tend not to expand. They don't hire. Uh, they maybe cut their marketing budgets which causes the companies that work with them to end up with less revenue and that ends up, you know, cutting their budgets. Maybe they lay off some people, they cut out their expenses in certain ways. Um, but they're usually doing it in reaction and, you know, to things and they're not doing it uh, where they're pumping, putting a lot of money away. They're doing it so that they don't bleed money, right? So they can pay their payroll. They, they can pay their mortgages at home. They can, you know, make the business expenses and still make a living. So, you know, in that cycle, uh, you know, companies run into trouble. Now, there are opportunities there, right, to buy businesses. Uh, you know, um, and listen, I, um, I remember there was a speaker many, many years ago, and I, don't, I wish I remembered his name so I can credit him. But this was a, a panel of, uh, of billionaires who talked about how they all had tough times. And this guy said the first time he made a huge amount of money, his, you know, they said, what was the lesson? He said, well, I mistook a bull market for brilliance, <laughs> which is a line that I love. I mistook a bull market for brilliance. So meaning, you know, the economy was good. Things were cooking along and his business was going great. And he thought he was, a, you know, he was, he was brilliant. Well, it turned out there was a downturn and suddenly he was not so brilliant. And his, his companies actually, you know, he, uh, he had a bankruptcy, went out of business. Now, subsequently, many years later, he had, he had rebuilt, you know, built up other businesses and become, became even way more successful than that before. But that was a lesson for him, right? Now, so, so, so let's talk about, right, you know, what happens when, when that bull market goes away? Well, some of the companies that are less efficiently run, that are not, you know, where, where the uh, good economy is hiding, their uh, financial um, uh, lack of controls, their mismanagement, their uh, lower profit margins, whatever it is, those companies run into trouble. And, you know, some of them go out of business, some of them uh, join other places, but some of them get acquired, right? And, and whether you're actually acquiring the business or whether you're doing, you know, what we talked about in other shows, NACWIRE, where you're really hiring them and maybe giving them an upside, those deals happen a lot in down economies. Well, some of those deals can be done without capital, but there are a lot of opportunities that do require capital in down markets, whether it's buying companies at a discount, buying real estate, at, you know, at a discounted price, uh, making an investment into a company that has, is a fundamentally good company, but maybe running into temporarily temporary cash you know challenges because of not anticipating the recession which frankly is hard to anticipate or not reacting quickly enough which a lot of us listen that was my issue in the in the great recession 2008 2009 right you know when when things suddenly started dropping uh 
uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that it was going to continue that way. And then, of course, you know, everything happened with uh, Bear Stearns and with uh, Lehman Brothers and that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, boom, we're in trouble. And even then, I probably didn't, you know, act quickly enough. So, um, so what happens? Who is able to take advantage of those opportunities? Who's able to buy those companies at a discount, buy that real estate at a discount, make strategic investments and get a better valuation for those investments at that time for companies that are eventually going to come back and be super strong and much more valuable? Well, it's the people who've planned in advance. It's people maybe who put some capital aside uh, to be able to do that. Uh, or at least are you know, aware of the opportunities and have other op- uh, opportunities. Maybe they're not going to invest capital, but maybe they have shored up their balance sheet and income statement so much that their company is strong, and they're the ones that people are then going to going to flock to in terms of employees who are losing their jobs, in terms of uh, companies that want to be acquired, et cetera. So, you know, it's an interesting decision, uh, you know, at this moment, again, and I don't raise this, uh, you know, uh, these indicators – who knows when it's going to happen, but it's an interesting decision at what point, you know, you say, maybe I want to take some action to position myself to be able to do deals in the future when things are at a discount, when businesses are at a discount, when real estate's at a discount, et cetera. One of the things that, uh, that is important to me is um, that people create sustainable businesses, right? Because those sustainable businesses have clients that uh, they that rely upon them, they have employees that relied upon them, and their families, and you know, are relying upon those businesses to live the life they want and send their kids to college, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, preparing in our own businesses for the downturn, just to for any kind of downtown, just to you know, survive and thrive and, uh, and try to thrive through them, uh, you know, is the first thing we need to do. But then, you know, can we have some extra powder in the keg to really be able to take advantage of those opportunities when they come? Uh, There's a young uh, investment advisor, you know, some people know I have a bunch of clients in that space, among other spaces, uh, you know, who uh, left one of the uh, big firm, one of the wirehouses, uh, you know, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS, places like that. Um, And, you know, has a very nice business. And knows he's got a lot of runway. Actually, you know, most of the, a lot of the advisors who leave those places are in their 50s, uh, some of their 40s. This guy's in their 30s. And I remember he, he said to me uh, that he's actually raising some capital now, even though he doesn't need it. And I'm not saying this for everybody, but he's made a choice because he can raise some capital for the new business, even though he doesn't need it, because he believes in the next several years, there'll be a downturn and he'll then be in a position to have an opportunity to uh, take advantage of it. Um, so, you know, are there opportunities now for you to either save or raise or borrow or whatever capital that you may use later? Is that the right thing for you and your business? I'm not saying it is, right? I mean, you can't, you know, timing the market's a risk. You may be paying borrowing costs on that capital for five years before, you know, there's any opportunities that come up. Um, but, you know, I think it's something at least to think about and consider uh, in these downtowns. Now, uh, I had uh, Joel Block on, I think it was episode four maybe other podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, Joel was talking about these opportunity zones uh, that are in the, uh, in the tax bill and whatever you may like or not like about other aspects of the, uh, of the tax bill. Um, there are all these opportunity zones. So even in this up economy, there are opportunities to go take advantage of places where there are, um, you know, where, where things aren't as strong. Uh, 
And that's almost sort of like a, you know, if, if you uh, feel like those areas are going to come up, the opportunity to invest there and buy there may be an opportunity to make a uh, investment in what is sort of a, a down market or discount, like, like you know, when there's a recession, when, when the, you know, when things are going well. Um, I just actually recorded today a podcast with Niles Heron, which is not going to, you know, which uh, I don't know which order, frankly, we're going to air these in. I think this will probably be before that. In fact, I'm almost sure. So look, look forward for Niles' podcast, where he and I had a conversation about Detroit. You know, he's a guy who grew up in Detroit, left there for a while, came back. And, you know, we all know the challenges that Detroit had. And he talked about uh, on that podcast, um, the guy who came in and bought up a lot of Detroit and what a, how, you know, what a brilliant, you know, business move that was at the time and, and how it's not only helped him, but it's also helped to revitalize the Detroit economy and done some, you know, good things from some, some other people. He had some reservations about it as well. You can listen to the episode with Niles to hear the details of those. But there are so many examples of where people, uh, you know, people do that. If you study the Great Depression, if you study the, re- the, the Great Recession of 2008, 2009, if you study any of the downturns, and I've seen it, I've, I've done deals for clients, right? I mean, listen, I remember the, you know, the Black Monday in, you know, in the 90s. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people were running and hiding, but then there were a handful of, of, of people who were sophisticated deal makers who had access to capital or their own capital who went out and, you know, and did a lot of deals, right? But whether it's real estate or stock or businesses at a discount. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's something definitely to think about in your overall deal strategy. You know, when you deploy capital, when you do deals, at what point of a cycle that you do it, are deals expensive or cheap? Where are they on the curve? Um, and listen, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to do deals in up markets. There are plenty of great deals to be done. In fact, there's a lot of runway on those deals as long as things uh, go well. And if they're fundamentally sound deals, then they will hold out through even the downtimes. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, all you should do is sit around and wait for deals in down markets, but it should be part of your thinking. It should be part of your strategy and you should have a strategy around deals, Right. Some people do. I mean, if you're really going to be a deal maker, now listen. Uh, some people are going to run their businesses and haphazardly deal opportunities are going to come are going to come up, and you'll do them. That's fine. But if you want to create a deal strategy, if you want to become a deal maker as part of what you do as a business person, as an entrepreneur, and uh, you want to always look out for opportunities, what, you know, you want to take into account whether or not part of your deal strategy will be to uh, be prepared, more prepared for downturns in the economy. Uh, yeah, that, that then you can, you can take advantage of. So I, I hope this was helpful. I would love to hear your stories about how maybe you've done this in the past or seen people do this in the past. Uh, I'd love to, you know, uh, have our listeners be able to uh, see some more examples of that. Uh, I mean, listen, real estate's an easy example. Buying companies is an easy example. I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you another couple before I sign off here. Uh, I've seen people in down markets be able to buy uh, IP portfolios, intellectual property portfolios. So let's say a company on the business level does poorly and runs into trouble during a downturn, but they may, may have valuable intellectual property that could be repurposed, whether it's uh, brands that are valuable, right? You see people buying up brands that ran into trouble and revitalizing the brands, uh, or it might be content or other, you know, training uh, uh, materials or online content that could be repurposed. So looking out for intellectual property value uh, when a comp- operating company runs into trouble is another way, you know, is another area that you can, uh, you can potentially look at. 
and then obviously absorbing talent. And this is one that you don't necessarily need, uh, you know, big money to write checks up front. You need to obviously be able to pay the salaries. But I've seen so many people absorb great talent in down markets from companies that don't make it, you know, employed talent and sometimes owner and formerly owned, formerly owner talent. So, you know, start thinking strategically about this and, and how you might fit it into your deal strategy uh, while doing deals, uh, you know, good deals now that when the economy is still relatively good. I wish you all the best in your deal making in up and in down economies. Love to hear your comments. So thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals. And then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at fuelingdeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.